So I came all the way over here, you said you was holding. I didn't say what I was holding. <laughs> Anton Tobias never had much on his mind. Don't you think you should have like a goal? My dream life would be to lie around all day in bed and watch TV while somehow Brad delivers me food. And he always had time on his hands. Four bodies have been discovered and the killer is still at large. Until one of them <laughs> got a mind of its own. I have no control over my hands. It makes me do things I don't want it to do. Aren't you a little old for Ding Dong Ditch? Sorry about your bush. I'm gonna call 911. What's the number? I'm not the killer. Okay. I mean, if OJ could get off, then I'm sure. You'll be here? Now, his hand won't stop. I don't want to hurt you. They don't! Ew, that's disgusting. His friends won't die. Dead. Undead, actually. And it was this big, bright white light at the end of a long tunnel. So what happened? We were like, forget that, man. Too far. And the only way to stop it... <laughs> Idle hands of the devil's playpen, so keep my hands occupied, right? ...is to keep it busy. Freeze! Drop the knitting needles. That's probably not a good idea. Put him down! Cuff me! Put those needles down, young man! Down. Cuff me, cuff me, cuff me! <gasps> Columbia Pictures presents... The police have no leads, and the killer is still out there. You scream like a girl. The comedy... Careful, it's on kind of loose. That's really starting to get on my nerves. ...that dares to give scary movies... Hey, look at me! Not me in the face! The backhand... What you doing, man? That's my dad, come on! CPR, man, I saw him Baywatch. Did you lose something there, bud? Idle Hands, the touching story of a boy and his hand. Kinky. Fly for a white guy. Welcome to another Psychosemantic podcast, the uh, part of Mark Ball that does anything that could be considered illegal or unworthy of job maintainingness is played by... An actor <laughs> called Mark Ball for simplification purposes. This entire conversation is a work of satire. And I don't know. I don't know if that's like copying and pasting the shit people were doing on Facebook. Like, I don't give you the right to sell my pictures or whatever that was going around every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Kids don't break the law. We don't break the law. We're, we're law-abiding citizens. We're, we, we conform with what our state and our federal government tells us what to do. Uh, d don't go out and break the law. Any, any kind of talk on this episode is purely fictional and for entertainment purposes only. And, uh, if you don't like that, you can suck my fucking dick. There we go. I think that's how most disclaimers work. Um, in case <laughs> I wish case... more ended with suck my fucking dick. <laughs> that's the tiny, tiny print, right? Right next to where you click to unsubscribe to the thing. This is another psychosis. <laughs> fine, fine print. Yes, the fine, fine, fine print. The bottom of Wonka's wall. We are here, me being Darren, your host, every time you listen to this episode or this show. If this is your first time listening, I am the person who is always here. And then Mark, who is here sometimes. Hey, Mark. 
I, I we were talking before we started recording this six months ago was the last time I was on this this show and it was for Wag the Dog right before the election. And Jesus Christ, the last six months have been very, very eventful. Uh, got a new president. Uh, Ted Cruz abandoned freezing Texas. Uh, I got engaged. I don't know. Congratulations, <laughs> it's been, dude. It's been a fucking wild six months, man. I appreciate it. I'm fucking... Uh, I'm excited about it. The wedding isn't until next year, so we got like plenty of time to plan it. Uh, I, I just, I, I want a big Halloween party for my wedding. Like that's, that's all I want. Like I'm, I'm not getting not well, a lot of this shit. I don't care about, but if like I walk into this place and it's a big Halloween party and I get married and like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. But, uh, uh, yeah, the, I mean, man, fucking holy shit. Like what a weird, the, the world keeps getting weirder even after living like the weirdest goddamn year I think any of us have ever lived. And yeah, it's April, 2021. And we're here to talk about idle hands <laughs> for some fucking reason. We technically watched a Halloween movie in April, which is dumb. Uh, we're halfway to Halloween. Yeah, I guess. Okay. That kind of counts. Is is this the first four twenty episode, or have you done? Do you do this yearly? I don't think I've really done it yearly on purpose. Uh, <laughs> I there's a there are quite a few episodes. You know, eventually there's going to have to be the Reefer Madness commentary, but I feel like that might have to be a thing when we're doing the streaming because that's public domain by now. So can't get one of those shut down on the. I'm pretty sure. I often find ways to talk about marijuana, pot, uh, all those fucking things that, you know, I learned most of my early drug slang from books in my school library at St. Mary's Catholic School. All those anti-drug books were very, very helpful. I'm pretty sure my high school library had the same exact books, like the the old, super old, I think they were from like the 50s or some shit, the really old, like hardcover like, and they were always really short too, because I don't think like back then they had way a lot to say, <laughs> I guess about pot, but, uh, yeah, uh, this, the slang, the, the devil's lettuce, the reefer, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're here to talk about that kind of, so that, that's, that's really the only way that idle hands is like even remotely a fucking political movie is that it's largely about stoners but more specifically, stoners in 1999, which, oh my God, we'll get into it. There's a few parts of this movie I was mega cringing at because I was like, oh my God, I remember what it was like to be alive in 1999. I mean, I was, uh, math is hard, uh, 14 or 15 in 1999 when this came out, but I caught it on USA. They ran it like, I think pretty much uncut, except for the boobs were probably cut out. And like some of the some of the harsher language might have been changed, but like all the violence was still in this thing on USA Network. You could still see somebody getting their fucking head cut off or getting smashed in the face with a shovel. But we can't show a boob or say the f word. So um, yeah, I've got a fucking long. I pr- I probably saw this in about two thousand. I this movie flopped really bad in theaters. Uh, <laughs> I learned that from the Wikipedia. This movie cost fucking twenty five million goddamn dollars. Did they pay Seth Green like 
13 mil to be in this thing because he was hot shit at the time and like a, or maybe about to be hot shit at the well he's on Buffy at this point so yeah and there's Jessica Alba and Vivica A. Fox I guess they're kind of expensive Devin Sawa at the time was like um I think he was like about to grow out of being like the teen heartthrob thing like he'd done a bunch of like not Disney Channel, but Disney Channel kind of type of movies up until this point. And like, I don't know, he did like some, it was in Final Destination, I think like a year before this, maybe. A year later. And I, that movie was a fucking gigantic. Was it in the 2000s? Yeah, that was 2000. Uh, and this was after SLC Punk. And of course, what, Casper and Little Giants and shit. Oh yeah, Casper the Casper movie was fucking hot shit. I remember seeing that in theaters. Like uh, it was, uh, I mean, I think most people talked about Casper because of the cutting, the quote unquote cutting edge special effects done by ILM at the time. Uh, which I haven't seen that movie since I was yeah ten or eleven, maybe whenever the hell it came out. But I bet the special effects look like fucking shit at this point. But uh. Devin Sawa is cool. He's about to be in the second Danzig movie, whatever the hell that vampire Western thing that he's doing is called. Devin Sawa's in it. And uh, he's a lot of fun to follow on Twitter. He's very snarky and he's a dad. And I think he's not very much older. He's, I mean, you're you're a couple years older than me. I think Devin Sawa may be a couple years older than you. So he's like my older brother's age. But uh, yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to follow on the Twitter's. But yeah, I was, I was kind of shocked that this movie super duper flopped when it came out. It made $4 million on a $25 million budget. So um, I guess I wasn't surprised when I checked out the special features on the disc and the director was some guy that I'd never fucking heard of because this probably got him like, like basically blacklisted with a lot of studios and like, idle hands. That movie lost that studio $21 million. So fuck you, go away. And I think after this, like, I I can't really think of a whole lot that Devin Sawa did either. Like, I, he's done a few things as an adult, but I think he, I don't know, he probably just went off and did fucking something else, got a job and got married and had some kids. And now he's like a movie dad that acts occasionally. I mean, I, I if I got offered a part in the Danzig movie, I wouldn't turn it down. After Final Destination, he has had, he did have something like, Almost a movie come out every year. Some some bigger, some smaller. Anything that I might have seen that might refresh my memory? Uh, there was a movie called Slackers. There was... Oh, let me see. I notched a couple down for after Final Destination. Because I pretty much nobody's in SLC Punk 2 except for uh, like Jen or something like that. Oh, wait. Well, did they show a flashback of him? Because he is credited as Sean in Punk's Dead, SLC Punk 2. I have actually never seen SLC Punk 2, so I cannot answer that question. <laughs> I have I saw it once, and I was a little drunk. I have a worse memory when I watch movie uh, drunk <laughs> than I do watching it high or otherwise. 
they're they're all on Fridays, and I've got in the habit of <clears throat> not drinking on school nights, basically. So Friday and Saturday are my nights when I'm like, I'm going to go get a 12-pack of beer, and I'm going to get real fucking drunk off of it because I haven't drank all week. And then my fiancé comes home, and we watch the new Marvel show, and I fucking watch it and completely black out everything that happens, like, the next day. Because I have this one nerd kid that I work with that we talk about, like, the new new Marvel stuff as it comes out. It's like our, our water cooler type of shit. Hey, did you see WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier? And it is goddamn ridiculous how much I forget week to week because, like, I watch it while I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. There's a weird tangent, number one. Not not to totally derail the Devin Sawa talk. Well, I, I, can, I can bring it back. Uh, we... we had touched on you not really being sure exactly why this would be on this sort of show with that political slant. Anton Tobias, the Devin Soya character, he, he sort of illustrates many different uh, experiences across the spectrum of the marijuana user. He's got the suburbia white kid shit where he, uh, it was, we're going to spoil this movie, but it's over 20 years old. Uh, I was in high school when this came out. Yep. Uh, that's why I did look, and Devin Sawyer is like three years older than I am, and which makes sense okay. because usually they have somebody that's a little bit older play a little bit younger in those movies. Uh, so yeah, like I was right. a junior or senior in high school when this came out. So I was I was in like junior high. I was probably like seventh or eighth grade when this came out. So like about 14, 15 years old. And uh, yeah, <laughs> obviously this appealed to me for reasons. I mean, the fucking soundtrack. I mean, Rob Zombie fucking Blood Clot by Rancid. That album <laughs> was a sum, a whole summer for me. Uh, I think that was that was off the life. I, th- I think the now. Vandals are on here, too. Yep, I mean, The Offspring plays the Halloween dance doing a Ramones cover. Uh, at the very end, The Living End, one of my favorite, like, Psychobilly, that Australian yeah, band. Yeah, they're a yeah. Psychobilly band. The fucking soundtrack to this movie definitely spoke to me. Is that two live crew that comes on that they get totally distracted from the dead bodies in the room and they're like, oh, this video is great. I didn't know they were allowed to play this. That's got to be a two live crew album or music video, right? With all the booties and the probably our RIP Wayne static pop that coochie was by two live crew. You're correct. I knew it. Only they would be so bold to put out a music video like that in not 1999 two live crew was way fucking before that that must be like the thing is like it was a joke that that video was banned on mtv a while before this movie came out because i feel like two live crew is like early 90s the album's from 91 like maybe they got to this joke about 10 years late (laughs) well and it did get delayed because of columbine i forget where i i I still like this movie, but I liked it a lot more when I was younger. So I just paid attention to a bunch of stuff. I'm sure there was a long time where I was trying to find. I thought that <laughs> I thought that there was like a deleted scene where Jessica Alba got naked for some reason. I remember you telling that story on the Midnight Horror Show fucking. Well, it was it was I think my first DVD player. And yeah, there was just one deleted scene that I couldn't see. And it said it was because of the rating setting. 
but it was a used DVD player, so I didn't know how to change the fucking setting. And I eventually gave up, but, you know, you learn a lot of things when you're in high school trying to see Jessica Alba naked. And that's, that's worth going the extra mile for. Eventually, I found out she doesn't do that sort of thing. But anyway, sorry, tangents. This is more like <laughs> the, sh- the show, the last show we did a little bit with some of the tangents. But uh, he is all, well, he's got that white suburban pot smoker kid asks cops if they've got drugs. But he also, in speaking of the cops, he is victim to selective prosecution, which uh, this is why this this is political. <laughs> we, I can go on this rant and we can have this conversation. Uh, you know, we can talk about the decriminalization and expungement bills that are in Congress right now being introduced by, you know, I've got a lot of complaints about the Democrats, but at least the head of the Senate is pushing for uh, legalization and decriminalization and getting people out of jail for this dumb fucking shit. Okay, so the selective prosecution thing, I wanted to take that back to uh, Richard Nixon, friend of the show. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, real real quick, uh, Harry J. Anslanger from the Treasury Department was like a teetotaler, uh, abolitionist, or not abolitionist, um, prohibitionist. Very big difference. Uh, yep. He was so, so religiously, full of such religious zeal, there we go, that he thought that if you made things shitty enough for people, they would change doing things they liked. And so he was the, the, the first big anti-champion of marijuana. Uh, he started uh, a campaign to get it criminalized you know they were afraid of mexicans and black people and all the stuff that christians seem to have issues with or not all christians but anyway uh so that was in the 40s or the early 50s uh one of the first big politicians to try to fight that was however you say his first name laguardia of new york the mayor of new york he laguardia yeah uh, his name's like Theorello LaGuardia or something really flowing that I'm oh. picturing. I think in that uh, that grass documentary we almost did, there's that speech of him talking about most people don't want this enforced. It's stupid. That's not what we need to be doing. But of course, then they changed the scheduling of marijuana so you couldn't just do scientific studies on it. It's still scheduled the same as like heroin. On the federal level, I believe. Yep. Schedule one. Yeah, at least all the way at the fucking top, right next to heroin. So yeah, and then the fifties came with Red Scare and everything's weed makes you stupid, and you're susceptible to becoming a communist. Uh, Yep, weed'll make you a commie. So okay, before Nixon. Uh, from the mid six, like the last half of the sixties, there was nine billion dollars spent in the war on drugs, and then in nineteen seventy, there was the Controlled Substance Act, which got rid of mandatory minimum sentences for marijuana. But you know they didn't really help anybody else out, and it was just it was the just the first relenting in the war on it. And then Nixon was like, well, fuck this. I I told everybody drugs are bad. So he and Elvis and whoever else started all their big 
public relations campaigns. <laughs> they hired uh, people fucking to Elvis. make fucking movies. You know, they were uh, speaking of that documentary, you know what they were like drug tests, getting animals stoned. And uh, then Nixon tried to pass off on making any sort of decision. So he got a committee and he's like, well, I've got a committee and they're going to tell me what it is. And the committee said that personal use is totally fine. And it smoking pot in and of itself does not cause people to commit crimes. And it's largely used by the government for selective prosecution. And that's that's one of the things that's going on. And so he said, well, I don't want to read that report. And then he formed the DEA. And now we're here. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the DEA. Jimmy Carter tried, but then one of his but one of his aides got busted with coke. So he had to go back on back on it. And then Reagan and W. Bush and even fucking Bill Clinton over three million people were arrested for pot under Bill Clinton. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> to fulfill our mandatory minimum sentence of talking politics for at least part of the episode, currently there are two, I think two bills in there in Congress right now. The Senate's working on one and the House has one. The House has the... Uh, Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, the Moore Act. Uh, It was passed last year, and then Mitch McConnell took a shit on it and didn't let anybody else look at it. Uh, But it it would remove marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act and provide restorative justice for people that have been disproportionately impacted in the war on drugs and many other things like that. Yeah, the Moore Act, you don't... (laughs) Congress people don't even read as much of uh, information as is in these acts. So I would just say, dear listener, if you're interested, read it yourself or get a hold of me. (laughs) But there's also the Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol Act, which I think that's really cool because that makes it pretty simple, pretty easy for people to get. I mean, alcohol. That was kind of the whole philosophy around Colorado's legalization was like, I mean, the, they wanted to regulate it just like alcohol basically in Colorado was when, you know, the, that's how they pitched it kind of to Senate and house and shit or whatever. And got it fucking passed in Colorado kind of was regulated like alcohol, which I, I almost think like, I mean, full disclosure, I have, I've, I've visited a few shops in the Colorado's where it is legal and I think it's probably harder to fucking get into one of those places than it is a liquor store by a long shot, especially once you see like a lot of the liquor stores that line Colfax Avenue, the longest fucking stretch of road in America, I'm pretty sure in Denver, Colorado. There are all kinds of little like weird bodegas that will sell you beer and like you can get beer in gas stations. So, I mean, like it's probably way easier to find a fucking shifty gas station attendant that will sell you a 40 of near beer at fucking two in the morning than it is to get into a dispensary at any point during the day. And I, I think Colorado has gone years where they do similar sting operations like they do to liquor stores where they send in somebody that they know is a minor, get them to try and buy alcohol 
And if you fucking fail that shit, it's a fairly harsh penalty. I think it's like a thousand dollar fine in our town. And you have to like basically like report in with whoever that you do not repeat this action. If you continue to work in the liquor sales business, um, they did the same thing with the fucking dispensaries in Colorado. And I think they've all passed with flying colors for a couple years in a row. And it's not really a big problem. Also, the thing in Colorado is it's really hard and expensive to get a fucking license. I think to open a weed shop and it's still kind of technically illegal in certain towns of Colorado. I think like I'm trying to remember there's something weird around Denver. It's not Boulder. One of them goofy little towns that's like fairly close to Grand Junction is another one. That's way West Colorado. Uh, I don't think weed is legal in the city limits or at least it's not like to there. There are no shops. So like retail sales are basically banned. I mean, like under state law, you could contest fucking getting busted for weed with like a city cop or whatever. But uh, yeah, they, they basically ran the pot shops out of town and a lot of these places bypassing local legislation. So again, important why you show up for local elections and shit like that. Like it does matter on a local level, what's going on with that stuff. It's the, you know, it's probably a handful of jackass Colorado fucks decided in each one of these towns whether or not they would have pot shops and whether you got to drive a couple hours over to the next town to get fucking weed legally uh makes all the difference so consider that if you live in a state that even kind of has it legal um obviously you know colorado's right in our backyard montana up north has recreational and medical i've never been in any shops out there i haven't been the the last show that i saw before covid was in montana it was in billings it was slayer ministry primus and phil anselmo and the illegals doing pantera covers which was a weird show to (laughs) be the last one before there was maybe two fucking years before i go to a real concert but that's that's another tangent Oh, I'll bring us back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, fr- a couple of years ago, well, we were just talking about idle hands, and we'll be talking more about idle hands in a second, and the selective prosecution of Anton Maybe. Tobias. Yeah, uh, one of the good things about decriminalization is that cops can't use, I think I smell pot, which is impossible to prove that it didn't happen later, uh, as, as a reason to right. search, search, search vehicles, search people detain people it's it's i mean the war on drugs has always been not about the drug it's been about the people but uh that movie that we are talking about idle hands made 25 or 24 million or cost that much and did not make that much back yeah uh, last i think no, it was last million. year it wasn't this year it was either last year or the year before in between april and may colorado made $25 million off marijuana sales just in two months. They made the I'm budget of this it's only, movie. Oh, in two months. Oh, okay. Two months. April. Uh, and yeah. May. Yeah. In two months. <laughs> just sling a weed. No, I mean, they've collectively made over six Billions. billion dollars. Uh, maybe up to God eight or so damn. now. Uh, 
It's so much tax revenue. So, tangents aside, I have brought us back to Idle Hands. We can tangent elsewhere uh, or along this theme, but we've done about 20 minutes. I think I think that's pretty good. Yeah, let's maybe let's let's take it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll 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 come back, and we'll actually like we kind of talk about idle hands and see if we can make it even more political. Oh, I'm sure there will be something. We'll be right back. Five minutes later. Yeah, whenever you're ready, we'll jump in this bitch. Do you know who else likes to jump in a bitch? I don't know. I don't know where I was gonna go with there. Probably Penub. Penub is the type of character that would say jump into a bitch. Fuck, what's his name? Which one is he? He's not Seth Green. Is is that not Seth Green? The other guy? Yeah. Other guy who seems familiar. His name is Eldon Henson. Okay. I don't know if you've watched it. Are you a fan of Mighty Ducks? I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I was a big fan of it when I was a kid, but it's, yeah, it's been 20, at least 20 years since I've seen it. It's maybe been closer to 30 years since I've seen it. He was the big kid that became their enforcer that like couldn't skate, but was big and could hit the puck hard. Okay. And he's also in Hunger Games. Another child, child actor. This thing is full of fucking child actors, it seems like. Because Seth Green was in the 1990 miniseries of It. It's like the earliest thing I can think of. Yeah, he couldn't have been older than fucking like 12 or 13 when he was in that thing. But also, like you said, the you, you always cast older for younger roles. So like technically when somebody's in high school in a movie, they're probably in their twenties, maybe thirties, like definitely the further you go back in movies, it gets even more hilarious. Like they're passing off 40 and 50 year olds as high school students, just cause, uh, the, the, I don't know. There's actor things. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Idle Hands is a great cast. These these people were all like kind of up and comers at the time, or um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess like in Devin Sawa's case, uh, this was towards the end of his run as a child actor. I guess uh, they all got to do like the high school movie, and then I don't know what the fuck did Jessica Alba move on to do after this? Uh, she was she wasn't that really mediocre Fantastic Four movie in. I don't know, 2006 ish or so. I, I can't for the life of me remember a goddamn thing else that she was in. She was in Dark Angel from 2000 to 2002. I think that was, that was a, that, like James Cameron show that was on Fox at some point that I never watched. Uh, it was a big deal at the time. Sin City? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, okay. What was that? Nancy? Yeah, she's in the the uh, the Marv storyline. Yeah, she was in the the sequel that I don't think I've seen. Uh, the Sin City sequel? No, I, I haven't seen the sequel to it. I don't think either. Uh, but anyway, sorry. You said you've got a lot of shit to say about Idle Hands, so let me have it. Um, I kind of picked this movie because it's a humongous homage to Evil Dead 2, obviously. 
with the possessed. Like they basically took the scene in Evil Dead Two where Bruce Campbell's hand becomes obsessed because it got bit by his undead, dead and alive deadite girlfriend out front, and his hand becomes obsessed and starts beating up Bruce Campbell like with his own hand. It's hard to it's it sounds goofy on paper, but like once you see it, it's like pure basically like vaudevillian kind of like acting like it goes way back to like you know uh like silent film shit and um yeah if you've never seen evil dead 2 like i mean get off your fucking ass it's 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 better than apocalypse now i'm gonna go on record and say evil dead 2 is better than the godfather Uh, idle hands is basically a big sloppy hand job to the scene in evil dead 2 where bruce campbell has a possessed hand and beats himself up and then he cuts off his hand and the hand gets loose and goes around the cabin and fucks with shit. Well, this is like, yeah, basically a whole movie centered around that only instead of Bruce Campbell, we get Devin Sawa and Seth Green and the guy from Mighty Ducks (laughs) is stoner teenagers, fairly stereotypical stoner teenagers. I was kind of surprised to see that this movie came out in 1999 because I counted at least three fairly problematic by 2020 standard things in this one. The first one is how Devin Sawa kind of hooks up with Jessica Alba. He doesn't really like, he's obviously fawning over her at the beginning of this movie. and has been for a while, but they don't really like have a, I guess what you call a meet cute until his hand is fucking possessed and makes him go over there and ring on the doorbell like repeatedly and then throws him off a porch. And she's like, I, you're a little old for ding dong ditch. And it's basically this like dumb teen teen comedy bullshit that gets him up into her bedroom. And then like, there's like all these gags with the hand being possessed and like trying to like, uh, basically assault Jessica Alba and, the the other two problematic things is when they're talking about the murder victims that we later find out is probably Devin Sawa for the two twins that worked at the fast food restaurant or whatever. Uh, and then like kind of later in the movie, the chick that's hooking up with the dude from Mighty Ducks refers to them as the shortened version of the R word, which I'm not going to say on this show because it's not cool. And uh, hearing it in 2020 20 years, I was like, oh, no, it's 1999. This sounds more like 1994 when you said this kind of shit. And the other one is the metalhead uh, jacked up truck driving dude that lives across the way that teaches devil uh, teaches Devin Sawa the, the basically the tagline for this movie, which is idle. What is it? I, idle hands are the devil's playground. And every time he appears, they play fucking hair metal about devil music and shit. And uh, yeah, he he refers to either Mozart or Beethoven as uh, a homophobic slur, which I will not repeat. And it goes by really fast, but I like caught it instantly because at this point I was like, I'm counting the problematic things in this movie. And those three stand out. Yeah, I I suppose it still might have happened a little bit with him. Because that sort of character might talk like that. In 1999, can confirm. I was in junior high, so yeah, they fucking did talk like that. There were lots of Randys. I think that's what the character's name was. Me and my Ford! I wonder if 
some of the budget was from Ford because he says my Ford more times than Donald Trump Jr. says my father. And <laughs> that's a fucking Maybe. Lot. <laughs> but I, I don't know. But they all I don't know if you saw the thing. I forget where it was, where Seth Green was talking about how everybody kind of thought they were making a different kind of movie. Really? What kind of movie do they think they were making? Well, he and uh, Devin Soya and Panub. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember his name. I, I, they Mighty Ducks guy. Yeah, Mighty Ducks guy. He was Fulton in uh, Mighty Ducks. I remember the character's name. <laughs> but they thought they were making more of like a comedy drama thing of course with with the horror elements but uh what's what's his face the director was like straight up trying to do an homage to argento and italian horror so that's why the music's like the music is that's why there's <laughs> what the druid princess with the magic dagger or priestess vivica a fox and uh, I forget what everybody else did, but they also had all the studio meddling or whatever. Uh, he di- he didn't necessarily talk about all of this, but he did say that part of it was the studio saying you need to change this because of the test audience. So the test audience wanted more Jessica Alba as close to naked as possibleness, uh, which is why her clothes gets uh. ripped, gets ripped off in the when she's on the car. They wanted more pot smoking. They wanted uh, that to be more of a bookend. And uh, they changed the the scene, like the end scene, which we, we can talk about then. But they, uh, they had, and I don't re- even remember seeing this. Maybe that's what I couldn't see on my fucking old DVD player. But they had an end scene that was like a weird CGI fight in a pool or something like that. Uh, and there, there were a couple things that they cut out. Yeah, I read about that. Uh, it's on the DVD. Like the, <laughs> that's what I watched this on. And for some fucking stupid fucking reason, I have a full frame edition of this DVD, oh, which was it. super annoying watching that on watching that on my giant fucking TV. I'm like, oh, cool. I just can't fucking see the <laughs> left and right side of the screen. But whatever. This, this That was how I watched it at my grandma's house fucking 20 some odd years ago on U, the USA network with fucking dumbass commercials and everything. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> this is fucking... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not glad to hear that there was studio meddling with this movie, but, uh, that makes a lot of sense. This has kind of a reek of like the, this wasn't Miramax that put this out. Cause this has kind of the stink of the Weinsteins on it a little bit. Cause <laughs> they like to fuck with movies before they come out too. This is kind of, I get that impression. I was definitely shocked at how much time. Uh, Seth Green and Mighty Ducks get in this movie, the two fucking stoners. They have lots of stupid fucking jokes, which if you were roughly their age in around 1999, this brought back a lot of memories. And I remembered a lot of dudes that probably still live in this town in high school or uh, I mean that I went to high school with. (laughs) But 
so yeah this was yeah i i kind of agree with what you said at the beginning of the show which is this was a lot better when we were like 14 15 16 around that era this is not so good in this this day and age and i think i the last time i even like talked about this on a podcast was on duncan's show on the 90s series which we did two fucking years ago now i'm pretty sure yeah, I talked this thing up during the 90s series, and now that I've watched it in 2021, I was like, ah, that was maybe a mistake. This movie is not as fucking good as I remember it being. And I think we could have talked about probably a lot better stoner movies, but uh, I don't know. This one has like kind of a punk, like you know, 90s punk rock soundtrack. So I figured, you know, like you, you and me, like, are, I think are big on a lot of that stuff, like the fucking vandals and like, uh, the offspring plays, they play two songs in this movie. One is which by the Ramones and I'm pretty fucking sure the second one is by TSOL. If I'm not mistaken, it wasn't epitaph. It was nitro records was the one that Dexter owned, right? Mm-hmm. They're like gutter mouth was on and I think fucking AFI was on there and I, Dexter is wearing an AFI shirt in the scene of idle hands back when AFI was a fucking punk band. <laughs> not a not a wannabe either old Davy Havoc he's he's gone through a few a few stages of what I think he wants to be like there's definitely a time where I don't know like their first um the fuck is that first AFI album called answer that and stay fashionable which is like I don't know it's a it's a weird mix kind of it's like uh part like 90s i mean like skate punk kind of shit you know your your bad religions and your pennywises and your anti-flags and your no effectses and uh after that i mean the um, it's like black sails and the sunset is a really cool kind of fucking i guess you'd almost call it like death rock at this point i mean it's like a weird like gothy kind of fucking punk rock kind of deal i think that's like i think my favorite AFI album and then I think there's a couple in between there and then they got the fucking Art of Drowning and they got super whiny and then after that was Sing the Sorrow which I think came out when I was a junior or senior in high school and that's when they signed a Dreamcast Records or uh, DreamWorks Records and they had they had some dis- disposable income to put out a, a you know high profile kind of album that they could tour on as AFI, the whiny goth band that had like, you know, like electronic breakdowns and just lots of, I don't know, this has got super fucking whiny at some point for my aggressive little 16, 17 year old brain at the time. And I don't know, they've, they've done all kinds of shit between then. I, at some point he had like, I think a Trent Reznor phase with, um, uh, I think it's called Black Audio is his electronic side project with some other dude and it's super duper nine inch nails inspired and i don't know now i'm getting old and i can kind of like appreciate things for what they are and understand that like that dude just kind of grew up like doing music and at some point wanted to do different things like i mean you know you can only write so many like gothy punk rock albums before you do things that are radically different and at this point, like I kind of have a little bit more respect for that sort of thing. So 
Yeah, what I'm saying is I'm going to go fucking get on Pirate Bay and find a copy of Black Sails in the Sunset, and I'm going to listen to it on my 20-year-old iPod. I think I got... I They, they were always on those compilation albums that I got. I, I, I mostly got those for the Vandals and the Offspring and shit and Guttermouth, but I I got I really got more Punk- into them. Punkorama. Yeah, uh, Punkorama, and I forget what the, the Nitro Records ones were called. Um, but Godzilla? Could have been. There's always something weird like that, but I really got into them in Black Sails in the Sunset. And I like that, and the All Hallows EP, which came out, I think, the same year, which was sort of the precursor. Oh, yeah. To the art of drowning, but I feel, but it had that cover of <laughs> those uh, is Danzig phase. Yeah, it had a cover of Last Caress on there, or or Halloween. It had a cover of Halloween on there. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, ha- Halloween Part One. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I saw them. I think that year or the year after, and he had already started wearing more black mesh sleeves and. <laughs> you know, leather and paleness and it, but I mean, they put on a fucking awesome show, but they were already starting to transition towards the art of drowning stuff. But I mean, holy fuck. He did like half, half the set. This was it. I think it might've been one of the times that warp tour was here, but I mean, he did at least two songs and I remember it as half the set standing on the crowd. <laughs> You know, <laughs> a hell of a fucking front person. Yeah, I mean, Rancid, I fucking love Rancid. Blood Clot, uh, I'm pretty sure that was on uh, Life Won't Wait, which I may have said earlier. Depends on if we kept that part of the recording. But I got that album when I was at, at the beach. Like, with uh, one of those times in high school, you know, where your parents try to get you to go on a family vacation and they let you bring a friend so you go. Uh, so <laughs> I was that friend a lot of times. It was <laughs> not good. So, you know, my, my buddy and I were at one of my family vacations, uh, and he drove. So we we're just driving around the beach, listening to that album. <laughs> so, you know, smoking all the cigarettes and other shit, thinking that we could be cool and talk to girls. Like these guys. I mean, we were we were in a band. We had that. But we were kind of like, I mean, dudes in high school that smoked pot. Um, he just drinks now. Not in a bad way. Like, he's got a nice job and shit. <laughs> All he does is drink now. He does. I don't think he listens to this. So. He just drinks. He just drinks now. But um, Idle Hands. I like, I, I think I like this more than you. But yeah, I liked it a lot more when I was younger. I, I appreciate the kills, the the broken bottle into Seth Green's head, the fucking knitting needle, yeah. uh, uh, Fred Willard with the screaming face, you know, stuck oh. in the fucking jack-o'-lantern. Um, the we didn't even lane. talk about Fred Willard. He's, he, Fred Willard starts this movie out, and I love Fred Willard. Because I grew up, my my mom was a huge Roseanne fan. I don't know if you watched it or have seen it back in the day. I mean, right. say what you will about Roseanne, she's she's fucking crazy now. Like <laughs> a little bit, like. And 
uh, unfortunately, I, I think a lot of that is due to like undiagnosed mental illness, but that's an entirely different episode of the psycho semantic cast. Um, uh, Fred Willard played Roseanne's boss when she worked at the diner's gay husband. And there's like an episode where they have a gay wedding that Roseanne plans. And it's like the tackiest, most stereotypical shit. And it's kind of unfortunate with Roseanne that like, I mean, like you look at that show and like at the time they did a lot of, they did a lot of crazy shit on that show. And like the real one big sore thumb of that show is the fucking weed episode where her and John Goodman find or like uh, I think Johnny Galecki or somebody somebody finds weed in the house and they fucking blame Johnny Galecki of fucking um, what's that terrible goddamn nerd show that they're on. Big Bang Theory, that guy, uh, long, long before that, speaking of child actors, Johnny Galecki was on Roseanne and played, like, basically their stepson that uh, ended up shacking up with their daughter, Darlene. But, yeah, the weed episode of Roseanne fucking sucks because they they find the weed in the house and um, it's actually, like, a really goddamn hilarious scene where her and John Goodman and her her sister Kathy Lurie Lurie Metcalf of Scream 2 fame uh all three of them get fucking baked out of their goddamn mind because it's probably been years and years since they smoked weed like back back in the 60s and, and there there's a you have to look it on look it up on YouTube or something there's, there's a hilarious scene where they're in the bathroom they're all just baked out of their minds and they're not not taking it real good and the sucky part comes at the end where they're like, they're, they're like basically freaking out. Uh, one of the kids comes home, DJ, and he's just like looking for like a soccer ball or something. And they are too fucking stoned to answer his very basic questions. And so once the kid leaves, like they have this like super sentimental scene between the two of them where they're like, why the fuck did we do this? This is stupid. Why are we doing this? We're, we're too old for this. And Roseanne was like, well, back in the day, there's the war and we were protesting. And it was like, uh, she's basically like making the comment that it was like just a way of life for children of the 60s, basically. But uh, because it played on ABC network television prime type of shit, I think they had to tag on the scene at the end where they're like, you know, regretful about it and like the post credit scene where they wake up the next day and they're acting like they're hungover and just like stupid. And the kids are asking them in like, that's not, that's not how fucking weed works. Weed's great. Cause you don't have a hangover. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that's one of those things. Like when I saw that, when I was about 14 or 15, I was like, cool, there's a weed episode. When I see it now in 2021, when I'm 34 years old, I'm like, that's fucking horse shit that they had to tack on that thing because I know Roseanne's been a goddamn pothead for fucking 40 years or whatever, 50 years, maybe longer. But yeah, that's kind of, that was that was not very many years before Idle Hands, and that's just kind of how Hollywood handles weed. It's been it's been I think horribly fucking mishandled in movies and horrendously fucking stereotypical in a lot of movies. 
and like I don't it wasn't until super different I think like the show Weeds was maybe one of the first things that I saw where I was like oh the stoners are just like you know people they're not fucking Cheech and Chong or Jay and Silent Bob caricatures they're like just actual people that fucking use weed or buy weed or grow weed or whatever and uh yeah uh, idle hands is i don't think it's still a fairly stereotypical view of what stoners are like but i don't think it's horrendously offensive i think the part where he smokes oregano and uh nutmeg is hilarious because it just makes him like want to die immediately because that's a bad idea but i remember that kind of urban legend do you remember the banana peel uh you can make hash out of banana peels or some dumb shit. That, I mean, that's kind of how people discover drugs eventually anyway. It's like, this will have to be a whole other episode. <laughs> but, you know, with mushrooms, some kill you, some work well with food, and some make you trip balls for <laughs> a certain length of time. And someone somewhere was just eating <laughs> mushrooms and seeing what happened to people. And there there would, would have been a joke uh, about weed like that. And I don't know if you saw that caveman movie that I put forward as one of the possibilities we do with Ringo Starr and Dennis Quaid. No, I don't, I don't think I've seen that one. I don't know. <laughs> I think you should check it out sometime, especially if you uh, have a elevation going on. But it was uh, 1970s. From feeling lightheaded. Yes, if you're feeling lightheaded. It's a Ringo Starr movie from the 70s or early 80s where they're cave people. It's a kind kind of a stoner. Kind of, there's claymation, stop motion. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember you talk, talking about this. I don't know. Why, you either mentioned this on the Midnight Horror Show or on this show, like way the fuck back in the day. And like, do, do they eat weed or do they like throw a big pile of weed on the fire or something like that was kind of the only, I mean, obviously the people that made this movie were probably fucking stoned out of their fucking gourds, especially if, if the, the Ringo was on set. But yeah, I, I, I do remember you mentioning this movie way back in the day, the caveman or is this caveman caveman, just caveman. But if you look up Ringo star caveman or Dennis Quaid, Caveman or Gold? No, uh, Terry. No, who was on Cheers? The blonde lady on Cheers. Shit. God, this is such a pot. Uh, it's either Shelly Shelly Long yes, or Barbara yes. Bach. Shelly Long. I I've definitely never seen this movie. Oh, I will man. have to totally check that out. But before you go do that. <laughs> Let's finish real quick with Idle Hands. Uh, so we got the kills. We got the stoner tropes, the 90s stoner tropes. They're doing that transition that you're from the 80s, from the zero tolerance Reagan Bush era. It's the bad Clinton, you know. <laughs> well, we got a long way to go. But anyway, it's the like they say, why, you know, we weren't in hell. We're not bad. We're, it, it's not like, oh, you know, the stoners in hell. Woo. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, they're not really doing shit. And they talk about that. They talk about him being so lazy. That's how he gets to be possessed by the hand. Who, When it is separated from him is played by the dude that did Thing in the Adams Family movies. No shit. 
Yeah. They got a uh, that's what what what's the hand called in Adam's family? That's not cousin it. That's the big hairy thing. What's I think it's just called thing. The hand is called thing. Yes. There's cousin it who's the hairy thing, but thing is the hand. Okay, it and thing. I can't imagine why I'd get that confused, but okay. <laughs> That's actually like, Jesus, they probably had to like get that guy out of retirement. He's probably like, <laughs> I'd have to look up his IMDb credits or something, but I would bet he's just like a hand model and a dude with like a big hand that shoots good. Yeah, I don't know. This this movie has like some pretty okay special effects for 1999. Like I saw a little bit of like green screen compositing, and they do they do the severed severed head thing. I think pretty good for Mighty Ducks dude who gets his head cut off because like I mean there's there's lots of stuff. It, it takes some good 20 minutes of the movie before they finally reattach his head to his body, and there's lots of. Uh, like his head sitting on the table or sitting in a chair type of stuff that they, uh, they exercised a lot of old school practical effects, which I appreciated, which goes back to the evil dead comparison. Like, I think this is really like kind of, a it, it, it's a, it's a nice little homage to evil dead too. And De- Devon Sawa acts, acts his ass off through this. And like, I think, uh, I wouldn't say recreates a lot of like the Bruce Campbell mannerisms, um, but kind of invokes the spirit of that, which, like I said, like kind of goes back to like silent film and like Buster Keaton type stuff, just like you know, just going for it. And like, um, I don't know, I, 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 I respect the balls on a movie like where the lead actor who's like a fairly big deal Hollywood type of thing at the time is willing to just beat the shit out of himself for the movie. Um, that, that that's kind of punk rock, which I think goes, this is kind of a punk rock movie. It's, it's got a couple of problem, problematic, uh, especially for even for 1999 standards type of shit. But, uh, yeah, this, this goes under stoner punk rock movies kind of. And, uh, a thing <laughs> it has come up before, but, I am a Columbus Blue Jackets hockey team fan. They got the <laughs> they had a bad game yesterday and the coach said something that I sort of thought of when I watched this after that was look at the game not the score. Like this movie totally should not have bombed. I don't think. I think this movie is a lot better than its box office shows. There's a great quote on, uh, I, I think it might be the Dazed and Confused bonus features or some something I saw with uh, either Jeremy or Jason London, whichever one of those two appeared in either Mallrats or Dazed and Confused because those were also two stoner movies that were fairly popular around the same time. Ooh, you hear that wheeze? Um, that that is not from marijuana. That's because uh, at work we cleaned out the stump system today, and I think I breathed up a bunch of mold spores. So hopefully this isn't my last podcast. The lonesome journey uh, of Jordy yeah. Markball. <laughs> yeah, if I just burst into microgreens tomorrow, I'm the microgreen man. The media. Microgreen sheet. Mark, if you will. It's, 
Yep, I dip my dip my fucking lungs into some fucking shit we were growing in the drainage system, which is all the colors of the fucking rainbow. For the record, <laughs> lost fucking I don't know what the hell we were talking about. Jason uh, London and Days and Confused. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. He's he he said there are a whole thank you. There are a whole subsection of movies, uh, basically talking about stoner movies that bombed at the box office simply because you could not take your bong into the movie theater <laughs> and like idle hands days and confused mall rats empire records uh slc punk i think maybe had a fairly limited theatrical release but it wasn't like a smash success Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, I think, fits into that because that movie fucking, I think, technically bombed. That was another one that cost, I think, I don't know, 30, 40 million or something and came out and was like, well, who cares? Fuck off. But yeah, these movies, I mean, <laughs> there's there's always going to be that kid that's like just starting to fucking smoke weed that's going to be like, I want to see Cheech and Chong and I want to, you know, they're they're interested in drug culture. Which I, I think is okay. I mean, like, I don't think there's really a moral argument for completely disregarding art that relates to or is, like, strongly influenced or was done under the influence of drugs. Because, I mean, it's not like a Bill Hicks quote. If you, yeah. like, if, you, if you're against drugs, you might as well throw out all your records because all of your favorite musicians were probably fucking stoned or drunk or high on something. So, like, I don't know. Like, I can't believe, like, I was looking at a map not too long ago, the states in America where weed is legal to a degree, whether it be medicinal or recreational. And I'm fucking... Uh, within four hours drive of where it's completely free or I'm going to jail for it. And it's going to be this little tiny pocket of like super fucking uptight States. For the, I don't know. I, I, I hope the map changes within my lifetime. I was really, I remember really distinctly when I heard that the Colorado thing passed, cause it was, I think the first in the nation that passed recreational weed and yeah, it's been a long time ago now, but, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I never thought that I would like live to see weed become available at a shop down the street from you, not within a mile of a school zone, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking wild times that we're living in. I, I, I genuinely think that weed will probably be legal pretty much everywhere. Like Canada is full recreational from what I understand. You can fucking weed in the mail in Canada and Mexico is newly legalized. So they're like, we just don't give a fuck. This isn't worth enforcing. This is fucking stupid and a giant waste of time. And we could be taxing this like alcohol and making a fair amount of money. And I don't know, man. It's been it's been a crazy couple of years. Maybe we'll see here in a couple of years. It'll just be completely legal across the board and taken off of job drug tests and welfare. Like you shouldn't like you shouldn't have to pass a fucking drug test to get food stamps. That's bullshit.
Yeah, I mean, you could lose financial aid for college if you get busted. Uh, I mean, and there's plenty. I mean, talk about, uh, you know, the new Jim Crow and stuff. I mean, that was the main reason why Nixon really went hard on it was because he could get the hippies and the Black Panthers without saying that's why. What else? What else did you want to get out on Idle Hands? I I, I think I think that's about it. I I'll probably pick this one up on Blu-ray after finding out that my DVD of it is full frame because that <laughs> sucks. But uh, this is kind of a Halloween movie. Like it was like I said, I was weird watching this in April because it takes place on I think like. The night before and the night of Halloween because they have the big dance. I don't know why they call it a dance. Like, I guess like it, it, it takes place at a school, so they have to establish that these are like high school kids or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm good talking about Idle Hands after this. This is probably the most thought that anybody has put towards Idle Hands in a little while. Like. I don't know. I'm sure this ends up on a lot of like best of stoner movie lists. And, um, but yeah, we talked about it on Duncan's show two years ago. And I put this forth as one of the best of the nineties. It's not one of the best, but it's like a, I guess, personal favorite because I was big into stoner movies at the time. So, um, this will, even though it's got its fucking warts, will always kind of hold a special place in my heart, I guess. Amongst, you know, Dazed and Confused and Mall Rats and Clerks and uh, Easy Rider is a fucking great stoner movie. Up in Smoke, I mean, is kind of the ultimate, like, I mean, (laughs) uh, if you want to be a cool parent, like, as soon as your kid turns about 14 or 15 and maybe has an older sibling that has weed and your kid steals that older sibling's weed and smokes weed and uh, is maybe getting into some different kinds of music and stuff. Um, sit him down and talk to him about responsible use rather than prohibition, basically, like our government has tried. Like, I mean... There was a thing like, I mean, a while ago, you have to look up. It's I think it was called the Safer Act, which was basically like, uh, let's use legalizing weed as a deterrent for people using alcohol, which I think is kind of like, I mean, that seems like a big selling point is using marijuana as an exit drug from alcohol and opioids and stuff like that. Like, I mean, like, okay, like, I mean, We'll wean you off the opioids and you can use weed as like, you know, your anti-anxiety or your uh, muscle relaxing type of effects that weed can have. There's a lot to that. And I've kind of lost track of where the fuck I was going, which was on, uh, you know, (laughs) par for the course for this episode. (laughs) So, um yeah, show up to show up to your local elections and like be be a be a voice for this if you believe in it and you think it's bullshit that they're still locking people up and, and kicking indoors for fucking weed in this day and age. Learn your strains, learn what's right for you. Uh, <laughs> if you should. 
uh, I think a lot more people are getting more aware of how state level government affects their lives this last year or so, especially uh, some people that had that, you know, may never have noticed had there not been the pandemic. Yeah. But I mean, you got to Mark's been on here before he's plugged his stuff. If you want to remind everybody, go ahead. Uh, follow me on the Twitters is where I'm most active. It's at VFancyMark. It's the same on Instagram. I'm not on there as much, but that platform it kind of sucks. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. I kind of hate Instagram. Uh, Facebook is even worse. I still post on Facebook and interact in groups and stuff, uh, but like man, social media fucking pisses me off we need we need to start the 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 desert island like fuck you zuckerberg social media thing but that's that's been tried a couple times i've I've, i keep an eye on these things because i do like uh you know photography and gardening and i'm active on social media in a lot of different ways which i think is um is i'm not gonna say important but like i mean I, I, I wish kind of a lot of this stuff had been around like when we were a lot younger because I feel like I had a lot stronger voice when I was like uh, around idle hands age-ish, <laughs> like 15, 16, 17. I feel like I had a lot to say and now like I feel like I, 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 still peop- I still speak out and tell people to go fuck themselves or to fucking eat shit if they just post terrible garbage on the internet, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like my, my edge has been dulled a little bit as age goes by as it does because I get old and tired and I just fucking hate social media bullshit and fucking whiny, racist, asshole, homophobic, sexist dipshits on the internet. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hope there's at least a few people that listen to this and we're like, all right, that dude's cool. I'm going to follow him on Twitter and fucking say that I like the episode. So like, yeah, comment somewhere on social media, share, share this show that helps out a lot. And it makes me be like, all right, that dude's cool. He listened to this and he liked it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> iTunes reviews for psycho semantic ass. Oh, God damn it. Go listen to the doing the nasty podcast where we talk about censored movies. I finally got a hold of a copy of the actual video nasty documentary. It's like a two disc set that Severn put out um, like the late fucking 2000s. I think it is. No, it's like 2012, maybe I think of the latest, but uh, it's all about the British fucking <laughs> the British. Oh boy. A British board of film or something that banned a whole goddamn list of movies uh the 82 is the first list and i think there's 75ish on the third list um go listen to the show it'll make sense <laughs> but we're watch we're watching band band movies and a lot of them are terrible and i tear a lot of them apart um and sometimes duncan and i agree on these movies and sometimes we don't but um yeah doing the nasty it's a it's a fun show. I probably just butchered and botched that horribly, but that's okay. I would have brought it up if you had forgotten. I look at look in the show notes. That's good because I I almost did forget. <laughs> 
tell Mark that you think he's cool or tell me that you think Mark is cool. Don't forget to duck and cover. As usual, marijuana saves an otherwise disastrous day. Don't go fighting puppets in auto shop. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. And you.